0: Welcome to The Drill Down. We've got business stories behind stocks and a move. I'm Corey Johnson. October 7 gives us lots of gifts, including episode 112. Well, just ahead, amidst a surge in cereal sales, Kellogg's workers go on strike demanding higher wages. And inflation, inflation everywhere, even the price of potatoes. And the surprising big business of organ transplants with ChangeBridge Capital's Ross Klein, we're going to drill down on transmedic groups. But first, it's sponsor time.
1: The Drill Down is brought to you by Era. Never miss another critical event or insight ever. With Era. customize your company watch list and track key events, mentions, filings, and more, all within an easy to use,
0: customizable interface. That's Era. A I E R A dot com. And the Drill Down is now available on Player FM, one of the many podcast services featuring the Drill Down. We don't care where you listen to it. As long as you enjoy the show and maybe leave a user comment and let us know why you like it. And the drill down is brought to you by Braintrust, a global talent network
1: that matches highly skilled technical freelancers with the world's most reputable brands. Braintrust has helped clients like Bank of America, Porsche, Under Armour and more build agile tech teams fast at a fraction of the cost. Visit Braintrust.com. That's B-R-A-I-N-T-R-U-S-T dot com to learn more.
0: All right. Thanks for joining us on the Drill on Podcast. Today, we've got, uh, as usual, business stories behind stocks and move. And as usual, the three most important developments in the world of business today with executive producer Isaac Webster. Isaac.
1: Corey, uh, today was a big step in solidifying that final agreement on an overhaul of how multinationals are taxed around the world. Ireland said it would join a global agreement to set a minimum rate of 15% For taxing corporate profits. Now, Ireland is a low tax country that is the European headquarters of some of the largest US tech companies. And it has been one of the small number of holdouts uh, when the outlines of the global agreement were settled back in July. Now, also the Federal Reserve. Federal Reserve Governor Lael Brannard said the Fed is in the process of developing climate related scenarios for use in banks' safety checkups, which are often called stress tests. Brainerd uh, said the Fed is also assessing climate-related risks from a broader perspective, trying to game out what melting ice caps and rampant wild wildfires fl- wild fly- fires, excuse me—could mean for the financial system as a
0: whole. I wish there were more wildflowers in the yeah, financial me too. system. <laughs> That's that a tongue lovely. twister. That would be lovely. Yeah.
1: Beautiful wild flyer, wildflowers. Anyway, now let's move on to United Airlines. United Airlines says it will offer 3,500 daily flights within the U.S. in December, the most in any month since the pandemic began. In other words, that's 91% as many domestic flights in December as United offered in the same month back in 2019. Flight searches for holiday travel are up 16% compared with the same time in 2019, according to United. Corey, what stocks are you drilling down on today? Let's start with Resources Connection. Resources Connection trades under RGP. Shares jumped 15% today and they've gained 56% in a year. What's up with Resources Connection?
0: This is just a big turnaround story where Resources Connection is a company that really struggled to get out of its own way, having a hard time growing um, over many years uh, and some kind of slow turning by management, finally starting to show some uh, some you know sustainable or sustaining at least Um, uh, recovery um, and indeed uh, showing that the business has been coming back. And they, I don't know about you, Isaac, but they are looking forward to actually planning for the holidays and trying to figure out if their customers are still going to keep uh, keep coming back and keep um, spending or if things might actually slow down a little bit uh, right around the holidays as they typically used to. What they saw through the summer is a company's, um, uh, and I should, I should mention this companies company is a Chicago-based a company, they do consulting and staffing and business processes and so on. Um, And they've really seen business surging right through the summer, no slowdown in sight. But they're wondering what's going to happen in the holidays. And indeed, uh, when they talked about it uh, in their most recent conference call after announcing, again, really strong earnings uh, for the uh, quarter that just ended, they said they are looking forward to possible a little bit of a slowdown of people actually taking holidays and slowing down their work towards the end of this year, but they just don't know. Here's Tim Brackney, the chief operating officer.
1: Hopefully, we're all going to have a real Christmas and a real New Year's this year. And if that's the case, then we'll, we likely will see a little bit of a step down. That said, I I do think that the market is very hot right now, and so um, I, you know, we could see an effect similar to summer, where um, you know we kind of blasted through. Uh, people took time off, but there was that much work. Um, you know, I think our pipeline is strong right now, um, but it's 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 kind of too early to be able to tell whether or not one is going to blunt the other. I feel, um, I do feel like um, every quarter we talk about people people returning to normalcy, and I do think the holidays are a place where people are circling their calendars a little bit. So I expect to see a little bit of a dip down for everybody um, in our client base in that quarter but we're still
0: going to push hard. So it is, you know, we've been so much looking back and so much trying to figure out the effect of COVID and everything. Is the notion that regular seasonality might come back for any business is, is going to be an interesting uh, end of this year.
1: Corey, what is your next drill down? You may be familiar with this company, Kellogg's. I am Kellogg's. Kellogg's trades under K- Shares dipped today and they've lost almost 3% in a year. What's going on with Kellogg's?
0: So first of all, uh, among the many things you learn when you just just look at this company is cereal is not the name of the game here. Uh, Well, it is important, but it's just a third of their business. Um, And there was a big surge in cereal consumption during COVID, belying the trends of previous years when uh, cereal sales actually had declined um, year over year. Uh, People moving away from that business that is a third of the Kellogg's business, um, their Ego business also very important to them. But, uh, uh, you know, it's an interesting change for them um, because they saw a surge in their business and were able to raise prices. Problem is their workers want to get a piece of that. So uh, there is a big strike going on with Kellogg's where their workers are uh, declared a strike wanting better business hours. They want uh, increased pay, of course. Um, and they feel like they were working really hard to help the company meet the surge in demand that happened during covid but weren't participating in uh, increased wages. So 1,400 of the company's workers in Battle Creek, Michigan, uh, the hometown of Kellogg, as well as Lancaster, Pennsylvania, Omaha, Memphis, all picketing, uh, and those, of course, are the factories where they make things like Rice Krispies and Raisin Bran, Fruit Loops and so on, Frosted Flakes, of course. Um, And in their last conference call, they talked about uh, how labor was a problem for them, not so much the cost of it, but actually just getting people to move stuff, to drive things around, uh, uh, and that that was a real problem for this company, trying to take advantage of their this this rare moment in the sun for the cereal business, but uh, not just in the U.S., COVID surging worldwide, also hurting them. Here is the Chief Financial Officer, Amit Bhante.
2: It's broad based, uh, and I think everyone's seeing it. Uh, you know, if you kind of look at labor shortages, there are widespread shortages of labor, particularly uh, here in the U.S., uh, and, you know, that's impacting the freight market. You know, we've seen, uh, you know, the spot market in the freight significantly up due to a shortage of drivers. Uh, it's, a, a, it's impacting our operation in our factories uh, in terms of just labor. Uh, and it's impacting the entire supply chain. So, you know, we are seeing it in our suppliers as well. Uh, so it is, uh, it is uh, you know, broad-based.
0: So, yeah, this broad-based increase in prices oh, and broad-based labor problems, um, uh, labor shortages... Uh, pushing the company, even as their workers are asking for more. Now, the union is saying that uh, they want to move jobs to Mexico, out of the U.S., but it's worth noting that 40% of the sales of this company happen outside of the U.S. as well. Corey, what's your next drill down? Your favorite company, Isaac, Lamb Weston Holdings.
1: Lamb Weston trades under LW. Shares dropped almost 7% today, and they've lost 19% in a year. So what, what is Lamb Weston Holdings?
0: Lamb Weston Holdings has nothing to do with our old friend, David Weston. Nice guy, that Dave Weston. I miss Dave Weston. Guy we used to work with at Bloomberg. Sweetheart. Uh, uh, he, Lamb Weston is a potato company. It's a $9 billion potato company. Um, and uh, who knew it? But uh, as you mentioned, uh, the stock down big time today because... The potato business is real tough right now. Among the issues in the potato business is the crop is really bad uh, this year. They've just had a a tough time growing potatoes. And shocker, inflation. So, you know, uh, people are still eating French fries, but uh, uh, the price of getting those French fries to market and every other kind of potato product but French fries is a big one, and McDonald's is a big customer for Lamb Weston. It's just, it's pushing them in all kinds of places across their entire portfolio. What's interesting is that, and this kind of uh, uh, gets at, I think the inflation issues going across the entire economy, not just in the potato business, not just for Lamb Weston, is that when companies raise prices, they can't just jack their prices on one day when their costs are higher. They've got to renegotiate with customers. They've put in price increases to try to keep up with inflation that already happened. And if inflation continues for the company, in this case, Lamb Weston, they might have future price increases to put in place. And it's a slow process, and it's a process that's hard to implement. It's also a process that's hard to stop. And so to my great surprise, we find a great illustration of why inflation is so tricky to hold down, because companies raise prices slowly, and they need to raise prices later to make up for the prices that they are paying in the the marketplace right now. Here is Tom Palmer, the CEO of Lamb Weston, talking about taking price, trying to get it in time and having to take more price and trying to find ways to jack prices a lot quicker.
2: The pricing generally, we have price through to offset inflation across the portfolio. It's a matter of timing. Um, so as we've stated, we'll start realizing some of that here in Q2, but the, the full impact um, of our pricing actions across our segments, we'll start to realize in Q3, and that's pretty typical uh, in previous years and and you know one of the things um, that impacted this quarter is um, we got behind on it, quite frankly, so we're catching up. and as we've as we evaluate uh, the go forward, um, you know we're closer to it. We're taking a number of different actions, uh, particularly in our uh, freight area to pass those costs through based on freight availability, and, you know, managing um, customer service. So, you know, we've adjusted, um, and we'll evaluate it going forward and determine, um, based on how inflation's coming at us, we'll react a lot quicker.
0: So it just shows you again how, once inflation's out of the bag, it's hard to get it back in. All right, coming up, we're going to look at a really interesting business and an interesting technological solution the problem of, of the donation of hearts and lungs and kidneys, uh, and uh, an interesting business it turns out uh, with Transmedics Group. We talk to our friend Ross Klein at Changebridge Capital about Transmedics. When the drill down continues,
1: the drill down is brought to you by Braintrust, a global talent network that matches highly skilled technical freelancers with the world's most reputable brands. Brain Trust is helped clients like Bank of America, Goldman Sachs, Porsche, Under Armour, and more build agile tech teams fast at a fraction of the cost. Visit Braintrust.com, that's B-R-A-I-N-T-R-U-S-T.com,
0: to learn more. All right, welcome back to The Drill. And we're joined right now by Changebridge Capital's Ross Klein, who brings to our attention a company called Transmedics, which, um, Ross, for all the fancy... Um, Science behind this. Um, This is the dumbest, coolest business I've ever thought of, ever heard of, um, in that they basically make a fancy igloo um, container, right? That's right, Corey.
3: It is. It's effectively, we've taken, or Transmedics has taken, 50 years of organ transplants being on an igloo thermos with ice and tried to evolve the industry. If a surgeon had fallen asleep any time in the last 50 years and woken up any time in the last 50 years, they essentially wouldn't have skipped a beat in the transplant industry until now. Which is to say that
0: uh, when when organ donors want to donate, we should back up, this is what transmedics does. So when organ donors, they they move uh, body parts from organ donors to the recipients, um, in heart, lung, liver, and the state-of-the-art until TransMedics was what?
3: Ice pack, igloo cooler with ice. And so with that comes limited usage. In the United States today, there is a massive need for more organs. The transplant wait lists are extreme. And so what TransMedics new technology is able to do is keep the organ alive longer, and expand the addressable market by up to four x. Currently, less than twenty five percent of organs that are available for transplant are actually used for transplant. Transmedics believes that with their organ care system OCS, that that number goes to eighty five percent, which is effectively quadrupling the addressable market uh, for folks who are in need of organs.
0: So part of the deal is they just the organs just have to get to the recipient. And when you put it on ice and you put a heart on ice, it's got four hours or less, even if it's a, if it's healthy enough to be used in a, in a donation. Are, are liver and
3: lung the same? Liver and lung are very similar dynamics. Um, and to take a step back, uh, heart and uh, liver were recently approved by the FDA. Uh, this was a process that took uh, 10 years to get to where they are today. Sorry, to, so, just
0: to be clear, so TransMedics system, yes. which is more than an igloo and ice, um, and we can get into what the system is, and I'd like to do that. Uh, but that was approved by the
3: FDA and separate approvals over the course of the last couple of months, right? The last couple of months, exactly. Um, and that was a process that took uh, 10 years of clinical reviews, uh, FDA reviews, uh, back and forth discussions, um, and now it's available. And so we think it's unlikely that additional competition enters the market in the near term, given the incredible resources uh, that had to go into this technology and the patent protection around it, certainly. Now let's
0: talk about the technology. So it, it is not, you know, colder ice or bigger igloo. Um, essentially, the the goal here from what I'm reading suggests is essentially to keep keep the heart or the lung or the liver, keep the heart pumping blood or something. It, keep it, the uh, lungs pumping oxygen or something. Keep the liver producing bile.
3: Exactly. So they've developed effectively a box that stores the organ and fluids, uh, consumable fluids. Is it a heart-shaped box?
0: (laughs) Okay, well, I'm going to rush to patent that one next. Transmedics race is
3: on. No, but please continue. Sorry. So they've created a box that does what? Uh, That it pumps actual fluids through the organ to keep the organ alive for longer. And so uh, per their clinical reviews and per commentary from management, um, uh, the surgeon community who's able to witness this process and see these organs uh, has been excited about the prospect of being able to deliver organs that are actually in potentially better shape uh, and and more ready for uh, surgery than an organ that was previously sitting on ice for the last four hours.
0: It's it's dramatic, Um, is it expensive?
3: Uh, No. So that is another interesting thing. If we consider uh, the uh, post-surgery success rate of the transmedics devices or the transmedics organs versus the legacy organs in their clinical trials, the complication rates are meaningfully lower. And those complication rates are where the hospitals are able to save meaningful money uh, relative to the legacy system of organ on ice. And so not only are they able to address a uh, larger market, but they're able to eventually save hospitals money because the hospitals are able to deliver more reliable organs uh, to patients who need them.
0: And I guess at this point of, of, of uh, the world of healthcare that getting someone with a, uh, a donated organ into their body will give them a longer life and a, um, a cheaper, you know, ultimate per patient bill for the hospital than that person would have had otherwise.
3: Absolutely. And for the hospital, uh, transplants are a major profit center. This is an area that they care meaningfully about. And so an opportunity for them to expand their addressable market is a big deal. Taking uh, uh, the previous 25% approximate availability rate for organs for transplant and making that 85% means that a hospital is able to do more volume of these uh, uh, high revenue and high margin transplants for the hospital. But most importantly, it it, it it expands the addressable market and allows folks who have been waiting for an organ to have access to one that is reliable and, and high quality as reviewed by the FDA.
0: It's, it's, uh, it's remarkable. I was, I was once a shareholder of a company called CareDX that has a, a, a DNA test to see if a body's rejecting a kidney transplant uh, and they have a heart product as well. And I was struck in my research at that company, again, this is going back a few years, of how few kidney transplants actually take place and how many are needed. I think it was something like 15,000, Call I think it was 18,000 and change per year uh, in the United States. And yet so many more, 10X more are needed and just not available. And it never occurred to me that the transplant is one of the reasons that donated kidneys
3: might not be available to people who need that kidney donated. Exactly. And so to have a potential solution here, uh, we think is a really big deal for a company that's sub one billion dollars in market cap. Uh, when we look out to the addressable market, you know it's potentially an eight billion dollar addressable market annually on uh, a product that you know we believe generates you know at scale seventy five percent gross margins, thirty plus percent operating margins, and so uh, we think it's a tremendous opportunity. It's why Changebridge owns it in both of our funds, our CBLS long short ETF and CBSE sustainable equity ETF. Um, I should say all of our holdings are available on the website, changebridgefunds.com. Um, but that's why we have such conviction.
0: Um, it's, it's interesting uh, too though, well, to find death. Uh, by the way, I've, uh, you are not one of them, but I, back when I used to do radio, I've had interviews that felt like what I thought was death, but in <laughs> fact, my heart continued to pump sometimes with rage, but uh, the definition of death seems to matter here because it seems to matter when you can actually take an organ out of someone who is
3: by one standard dead and yet by another standard not yet dead. It does, and so that is an interesting point because it is why, a large reason why the FDA review process has taken so long to get to where they are today. Uh, Because there are so many different viewpoints on this, because FDA panels have had different definitions of what defines an organ that has that a person that has died. um, It's meant different standards of uh, assessment of the same data. And so for transmedics to have gotten to the point where their data set has been so clearly effective and safe that they've been able to overcome that uh, hurdle, uh, we think is meaningful.
0: But when we read that they get approval from the FDA, for you know, you mentioned heart, liver. Liver was the one that just got approved a few weeks ago um, after circulatory death. Um, but circulatory death sometimes comes after um, the loss of of breath, right? Correct. Like brain dead. Brain dead can happen before circulatory death, and so which matter, Why does it matter? Because if someone's, uh, tell, correct me if I'm wrong, but if someone's brain dead but they their circulation is still going, then it would be a better time to remove the heart, remove the liver, remove the, the transplantable organs because they're in better shape than they're about to be. And you could be more efficacious in the donation uh,
3: process. Precisely. That, that, that definition and description is accurate. And so what transmedics is able to do is expand that use case. And so uh, that definition of death, they are able to have a larger window between uh, uh, when that blood stops pumping and flowing through the organ and when they can actually uh, resuscitate that organ and have it ready for a a transplant into another person.
0: Wait, but it sounds like they're not there. I mean, the the FDA approval for liver was after brain death and after circulatory
3: death. Correct, and so the data set that we've seen so far, however, from transmedics indicates that there's a very high likelihood that they'll be able to get to that stage. And so, it's the current. stage of just brain death not yet circulatory death correct and that uh, that
0: expands the efficacy of the of the organs and presumably their 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 business and their profits and more importantly maybe fewer fewer lives. people who yeah, live or longer healthier lives
3: or healthier Ex- yes even at healthy well, we can only hope <laughs> that's a totally different discussion but yes, yes. we can hope I'm, I've been
0: on, a, on a, a, a long list for a heart implant not a transplant just to, just so I would finally have a heart. Stop working. <laughs> um, some would argue I need the, the brain as well. Uh, so, you know, going forward for these guys, are there other organs or is this the the big three? Is that kind of their focus?
3: The big three are their focus. Uh, they have kidney in the pipeline, but we haven't spent a lot of time uh, including kidney in our sort of financial modeling. Uh, it's at not a Change big Bridge. business, sadly. It's it, you're, it, <laughs> It's correct. Yeah, I mean, those three organs are much more valuable from a financial perspective for the company, not to diminish the value of human lives by any sense. Um, Of course not. But in terms of volume, uh, uh, those are uh, bigger organs.
0: Now I have to say that we've seen some, some, and I I don't look at stock price as something that matters ultimately in the short term, but we have seen this stock kind of take a header (laughs) um, on occasion. Um, what's, why the volatility in this, at this point?
3: You know, it, it's been 10 plus years in the making to get to the point where they have three products on the market. And the first product that was on the market was Lung and their initial commercial output was poor. It did not hit expectations from analysts and from the street and from uh, investors.
1: One of the and suggestions,
3: so, by the way, is that it, it is true that eight hours would be better
0: Of course. But it is also true that four hours is enough for many of the transplants that happen. And so that the standard of care is working in as much as it's working, and that going beyond that isn't a a big priority for the hospitals that are already struggling to keep up with business. Then throw in COVID, which I know you're about to do, so that was was my tease to why COVID mattered so much.
3: Then throw in COVID for lung. You know, it, it was a very difficult environment for them to commercialize a lung product when we were experiencing and, and still are, um, you know, a, a virus of the lung uh, to a large extent. And so um, well, the interesting... Let
0: me, let me suggest two things about that. I'm sorry I'm interrupting you. One, one is that there, weren't, there were not a lot of healthy lungs when people were dying. The lungs that were, that were out there weren't available for donors. And number two, pulmonary experts weren't really spending a lot of time combing through medical literature looking for new things to do last year they year.
3: were busy, um, no argument there. The other interesting dynamic that I think is worth touching on is when transmedics received FDA approval for the lung, it, they were not as well prepared as they are now. And so what I mean specifically by that is, is with heart and liver, they received uh, the okay from the FDA for continued use while the FDA reviewed the data. And so the clinical hospitals that were using heart and um, liver continued to use it throughout the FDA review process. With lung, that was not the case. And so the company believes that they are able to hit the ground running uh, from a commercial perspective much more effectively with heart and liver now than they were with lung. Um, There is also some scale benefit uh, because there's some training associated at the hospital level. Uh, to be able to offer three organs as opposed to one organ.
0: I'm sure it's, I'm sure it's not a little, right? I'm sure there's a whole new process for the doctors who, again, as far as they
3: were concerned, that, 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 the system they had was stressful enough. Exactly. Um, the key benefit though is additional volume in a high uh, a high margin profit center for the hospitals. Uh, to be able to take one of your more profitable businesses and expand it 2, three, 4x, um, is a really big deal for the hospital. They you know, from what we understand, uh, many large hospital chains use transplant to fund other parts of their hospital. And so, um, the financial ramifications, while you know, perhaps not what's on most people's minds when we talk about transplants, are a big deal for a hospital chain. Uh,
0: it's a fascinating business. Like I said, in, in some sense, it's I, I love businesses like. That are just dumb. <laughs> it's so <laughs> simple to understand the product, um, and yet uh, when you dig a little bit deeper, it, it's just super interesting stuff. So thank you for bringing Transmedics to our attention, Ross Klein of uh, Change Bridge Capital. We do appreciate your time. Coming oh, you, up, we one number that does mean a whole lot. How many heart transplants are there uh, in the United States? The number might surprise you. We'll have that number when the drill down continues. The Drill
1: Down is brought to you by Era, a one stop equity platform where you can seamlessly connect to any earnings call and surface actionable insights automatically. Era's AI powered tools will allow you to work faster and smarter. That's Aira, A I E R A dot com. And let us know what companies you think we should be drilling down on. Talk to us on Twitter and Instagram by following at Drill Down Pod and connect with us directly at our website, bizpod.net.
0: All right, we're back with the drill and bite. That one number that tells us a whole lot. We talked about the number of donors of hearts, and the number is really big, uh, according to uh, the company at least, uh, to TransMedics. They say there are 19,000 total donors of hearts and lungs and the like, but most of those don't end up successfully being transplanted into a patient. As few as 5,800 worldwide. So, Isaac, you can see the the need for this uh, this this big business. Yeah. yeah, I mean, listen, there's always going to be a need for that, right? Uh, sadly, yeah. Uh, all right, well, you've been listening to Drill Down Podcast. We hope you've enjoyed it. I hope you found it interesting. We hope you come back for more tomorrow. In the meantime, I'm Corey Johnson. Isaac Webster is our executive producer, and Ben Wilson is our editor extraordinaire. The Drill Down is a production of the Business Podcast Network.